What does it mean to live life as more than a survivor? Unpacking that question is what we're all about. On this podcast, we speak about life, its ups and downs, and everything in between. Join us as we connect with others and discover more through stories and conversations. Come as you are. Recovering. Healing. Growing. I'm John Westaver. And I'm Michelle Escamilla. And And this this is More Than than a Survivor Survivor Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to More Than a Survivor podcast, where we talk about life, its ups and downs, and everything in between. John, how are you? I am doing good. I'm uh, doing good. Uh, it's uh, it's Wednesday. Got lots going on, and uh, yeah, I'm feeling excited about this episode. Uh, it's been a good week because it had to you know uh, reflect on. You know the journey of recovering and stuff, and uh, and what resources and things that I utilized then, what I've learned along the way. You know what I use now, and uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about uh, uh, today's topic on resources. For those of you who are just joining us, again, this is more than a survivor podcast. Um, we are two burn survivors sharing our stories, but we're also recognizing that there are so many people who have gone through different traumas and struggles and who are identifying or are curious to learn about what it means to be more than a survivor. So as John alluded to, today we're going to be talking about resources and experiences that have helped us in our journey um, of recovering, of healing, of growth. And yeah, I agree with you, John. I think that when I sat and thought about this, it took me a second to think about what that actually meant. Um, and as I sat with it, I realized that maybe there were things that I went through that were like an unconventional type of resource or maybe not a traditional type of resource. Um, and so, yeah, shout out to all the people and all the things we're going to talk about today. But <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump right in. I just, I'm, I'm just like excited about talking about it. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. you know, it, it really, it's just, um, it's, it's gonna be a good top, good, good, a good conversation, and I'm excited about doing this podcast, and I'm just excited about, you know, uh, all the people that are listening. Like, like that get to hear us, the conversation that we get to create in the world, like you know the ripple effect, like like the in the pond sort of thing. Like we get to create these conversations that really make a difference. And what's really cool when we create these conversations is we have no clue on how it's going to impact somebody or who it's going to impact, and who it's going to co- how it's going to come back at us down the road. You know that's what's exciting about it. Yeah. So I know that you and I have similarities in our, in our story, um, both having been in a car accident and, you know, suffering burns. And with that, though, I'm curious to know, what did you think about this week when you were, you know, thinking about this topic? What resources and and or experiences have helped you uh, get to where you are, where you are today, John? Yeah. Um so for me, when I looked at, when I thought about the question of what resources did I utilize to get through my struggles, where I had to look at, well, what were my struggles? 
what were the things that I was dealing with? And so I had to go back and like, okay, so what was it that I was dealing with? Like that I often forget about, like, I just, you know, because like you, you probably recognize this, but you know, when you deal with something and it's pretty heavy and traumatic, you, you forget about it. You put it in your past and you put it on a little Pandora box and forget box and forget about it. And so a lot of times I got to look back like, well, what was I struggling with and how did I, how did I actually get through that? Because sometimes I'm not present to how did I get through this? Um, and so I'll, what I, what I'd like to do is I'll give something that I went through or I used and then I'll bounce it over to you. You can say something and then we'll kind of bounce it back and forth sure. because I could go on all day about this. Um, <laughs> so for me, I am not so much a practical jokester, but I love to laugh. And so for me, humor was one of the things that I used to get through um, the hard days. When I was struggling mentally and I was having it like in a, in a dark place or wasn't feeling really well and really down on my spirits and struggling to see, you know, see my, my way out of what I was dealing with. I think laughter was one of the biggest things that helped me. And sometimes I would have friends that would make me laugh or I'd watch something that would make me laugh, like a movie or a comedy, um, or I would, you know, um, find something funny to do. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, listening to different comedians and, and practical jokesters and just, you know, um, uh, prank, uh, prank phone call people and, you know, just, just funny things. Yeah. And, and instantly you would just make me laugh. And, you know, that brought me out of those dark places a lot of times. Hmm. How about you? Yeah, I actually, when I, after I sat and thought about this, I came up with five things that really resonated with me. And actually that is one of them. I also found, you know, such, I want to say rest or like to be refreshed by finding a sense of humor through my grief. I think kind of like what you're saying, whether it was with my family, even making like twisted jokes about, you know, like, oh, like, you know, cause I looked different or like, you know, um, I don't know, just having some sarcasm I think, and just finding a ways to make light of the really dark season that I was going through. So obviously I made most of these jokes with my family or with like really close people that were in my circle that understood that like, sometimes it's okay to chuckle at, you know, things that could be really hard. Um, and I think that that really helped me get through the grief that I was going through at the time. So I agree. The other thing, my other thing that I'll share and then I'll bounce it back to you um, that I came to realize was so crucial to my healing was having an outlet of some sort. So I would say that I'm a person who really enjoys music. Um, I sing at home. I don't know necessarily like uh, if I would say I sing, but I sing at home. Um, and you know, whether it was playing an instrument or just singing or really listening to lyrics and finding that thing that for me was an outlet. I even for a season tried to do some uh, writing, like writing music, um, because I found that it was really healing. So for me, definitely a place or a thing where I could express myself and just find, you know, the, I don't know, a sense of peace and, and gratitude in my music. So an outlet. 
you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, and for me, like the number two, I'm going to go to music as well. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't play music at all. I am like more of the, the consumer of music. Um, but I love music and I use music so many different places in my life to overcome, um, anxiety, stress, depression, um, and it's something about, you know, singing along to the words of a, of a, of a, of whatever you're listening to. There's something to do with the frequency that you're emulating in your body and it harmonizes with how you're feeling in it. And it kind of just something magically happens and you kind of shake off whatever you're dealing with. And a lot of times, you know, when I would have like, when I was, let's say, for example, sometimes when I was having a hard time sleeping at night, you know, thoughts about, you know, will I ever overcome this? You know, who will want to be my friend? Who's going to ever want to date me? Like, who's going to who's going to hire me? Like, what kind of life am I going to have when I'd go to sleep and these thoughts would kind of creep in and it would make me having a hard time? What I would do oftentimes is I would put a headphones in and listen to music. And I would focus on the music and let the music take me away to a different place. And it just gave me the just that 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 moment, enough moment or enough mental clarity or uh, freedom um, to drift off to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. and just that escape was lo- enough to allow me to rest a little bit. And so, oftentimes, I use music when when I'm stressed or or depressed or anxious about something. I pop some music in, whether it's metal, whether it's classical, whether it's hip hop, um, rap. I don't doesn't matter what. You know, I put in some music, and I was funny because before this podcast, recording the podcast today, I was listening to some music. And I would remember, I was instantly thinking back to when my friends were in the vehicle, I'd crank the music and it just to different funny songs and not realizing, not really focusing on the words, but focusing on the feeling that I got from the music and how like sometimes I was inappropriate. The guys would be like, looking at me like, what are you listening to, dude? <laughs> and when it would just oh. make me laugh and feel good. So I love so if you're listening that. to this I podcast and you're one of my friends, you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you know what they say is that music can associate you to different moments in your life, different memories. Um, you know, we have a birthday and they played the song, you attach that song to that memory, you go on a date or, you know, see someone for some, for some time like that you haven't seen in a while and it's the same thing. So that music is really powerful. And I mean, that could go for many other things, you know, art, yeah. different forms of creativity, um, people who are athletic and do different sports. That is a sense of outlet for them as well. So yeah, I could go on and on about music as well. I mean, you know, it's been three years pretty much since the pandemic started. And I remember in those first couple of months when everything was shut down, um, people, I saw a video, you know, um, 
an encouraging video where they said, during your day, take like 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes, plug in your headphones and just have a dance party at home. Like just, you know, have a moment where you dance and let go. And like you said, oftentimes when we focus on the music, we are less likely to, likely to focus on what is happening around us that is really stressing us out. So I could, I can attest to that even now, you know, years later after my injury, that I still use that music as an outlet um, to just, you know, to lighten myself up, to to not feel so heavy, to not feel so stressed and all those other things. So I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's such it's such a powerful tool. It is. Uh, what's another one for me? I'm just looking at my list here. Um, driving. I would, I love to drive, right? And so going back to music and driving, I've, you know, I would go for a drive. I'm having a hard day. I'd get in my vehicle, go for a drive, crank the tunes, and just get lost in the experience of driving. And um, it was such a freeing thing for me, just going off and being in my own space. Like I would, I would spend hours and hours driving you know and uh listening to music and it was such it was so cathartic for me like it was just it was such a healing thing because it got to be where where it helped i think for me is like um i was i was often alone i'd go for a drive and i cranked the tunes and i'd just get lost in the music and driving but what it gave me you know to help me is it gave me that space to just be with myself after the trauma and to be with this new body, these new changes, all the stuff that was happening in my world. And it just gave me that opportunity to escape from everybody else. And I didn't have to justify, I didn't have to fix, I didn't have to change, I didn't have to answer, I didn't have to respond. I just got to be. And it was the most it was the most freeing thing for me to do is to go for a drive and crank tunes and just get lost in, in the music and driving. Oh. That's really interesting because you know, people might think that since you were in a car accident that you would be almost like avoiding returning to that that space and the fact that you were able to channel that in a way that it provided you freedom to like you said, to be with yourself, to unwind, to just find a sense of mindfulness to that experience. It's really interesting. It's a bit of like a juxtaposition because like I said, people would think that, wow, like I would never want to get in a car again, but instead, and actually it's funny that you say that because I can totally relate to that, um, is that I also love driving. Uh, actually, out of my, my husband and I, I'm the one who drives because I love it so much. And like you said, it's a, it's a very freeing sense to be able to to just kind of be with yourself, not necessarily with your thoughts, because you're on the road, you're, you know, seeing things, you're listening to music. But um, it's just really interesting that you say that. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it allows like you what's really going on is you're really creating the environment to allow your thoughts to arise. And you're, you're not being overstimulated by like having to respond to all this other things and, you know, the adversity and the struggle, like you're just, you're creating the environment to allow your mind to rest and be with the thoughts that arise from that resting place. 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so what it's funny that you know what i what comes out for me is like i never thought about i never think about that about the people would often think that you know he may have a hard time getting back back in the vehicle but for me how it was is i wasn't the driver um Mm. so i didn't cause the crash it wasn't my my driving that caused the crash i was in a crash because somebody made uh an error uh in driving and so I never really had a hard time getting back in the vehicle. I was a little nervous and stuff initially getting back in to a vehicle, but I, you know, eventually got back into a vehicle and, and felt comfortable in the vehicle, even started driving again. And, you know, I ended up redoing my driving test to make sure that I was able, legally able to drive again safely. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the most, um, cathartic things for me is driving and i love to drive i like when i when i do my speaking oftentimes i'll go off on tour and you know i'm putting on between two and eight thousand kilometers in a run of a month or so and it's like i get to drive to these little towns which is can be quite time consuming but oftentimes i get to just escape into these beautiful beautiful mountainsides or country or you know wherever and i live in bc and i do a lot of touring in bc so we have beautiful countryside to to explore but yeah i love driving I also think that it could provide you with like a sense of rest, like you said. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to like unpack this a little bit and think how could if the person who's listening to this or watching this, they might say, well, I don't really like driving. So how can I relate this to my own things? And what comes to mind for me is what I was just saying is that it's a place where you're, you're saying that your mind can rest. And so maybe there's other things that you do or that people do um, that provides them with that rest, whether it's, you know, mindfulness practices, a sport, um, some sort of community activity where it's that same thing. It's like you, your fo- the focus in your mind isn't necessarily on like your day-to-day task but rather it's like you're saying it's a beautiful scenery for you it's the music it's the experience to just have that moment to yourself so maybe for other people it's something similar where they're able to kind of just rest um, and do something that they enjoy yeah and and to add on top of that you know one of the things uh, a phrase that i i learned um to uh, to utilize when thinking about this is um look for the activities or things that disappear time for yourself so the things that disappear time are the things that you can just allow yourself to like completely rest with like you know for me it's driving sometimes like when i'm just often i'm going nowhere so i'm just exploring i'm just driving that disappears time for me you know and so find those activities find those things that you know that disappear time for you you know it's uh, another way of looking at it for sure i agree um i'm ready to go into the next thing i wanted to share with you that was helpful yeah yeah totally yeah. I'm, so, I'm eager um, to listen. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Um, so, okay. When I was discharged from the hospital, um, prior to coming home, there was actually a what's called a reentry program that I, in retrospect, I'm so grateful for this. I don't know if you've had something similar, John, when you were discharged and were kind of heading back into, you know, your community and all that. Did you have something like that? 
Uh, no, I, I didn't. I, I had to, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have a, a rancher. Well, let program. me tell you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, tell me about it. I'm, I'm eager. I'm sitting, I'm redlining now. I'm sitting over here listening eagerly. You're eagerly. over here <laughs> looking at me like this. Um, okay. So re- basically my experience with a reentry program was that there was a community of people that were from the hospital where I was being treated and they actually went to my school and shared with my classmates kind of what had happened because I had been gone. I had been gone for four months. Imagine not seeing your friend who who you used to sit beside um, and then having them come back four months later looking completely different, you know, pressure garments and a plastic face mask and my hair cut off and all those fun things. Um, I say sarcastically. So yeah, so when I right before coming back, there was a group of um, people, I think it was like a social worker, and I'm um, like community outreach person that went to, in my case, not just my classmates, but they actually did an assembly for the entire school. And they shared with them, you know, hey, this and this happened to Michelle and her family. Um, and this is kind of what that means for them. It means that they're wearing, you know, specialized garments that they have to wear. That means they're wearing the plastic face mask. It means that they, you know, suffered a burn injury and all of these things and kind of offered them in a developmentally appropriate way because it was elementary school. Um ways of informing them what had happened, uh, giving them recommendations such as, you know, um, it's going to be really hard for them to come back. So I know that you might be curious, but instead of staring at them or, you know, teasing them, we're inviting you to provide an inclusive environment. And so my class actually like rallied for me. They wrote me cards, you know, right before I came back home and all these really beautiful things that I still treasure. My parents still have those cards to this day. Um, And to me, I found that to be really helpful because I didn't experience like such a brash re-entry into school because everybody already knew what had happened. And so people weren't asking me questions, but rather they were like celebrating that I had come back and that, you know, I was doing well. So... I look back at that and I think about how this reentry program was so helpful for me. Yeah, it's awesome. Like it's you know, I forget about those resources too. The the, the I, I've heard about those programs, um, but I never had I never been I never was on the receiving end of that reentry program. Um, going back to my experience. Uh, my crash happened about a month and a half before my high school graduation, and um, I didn't end up returning to school that year. And they actually, the school, uh, the principal, vice principal, uh, a couple of teachers, and a couple of students actually came to the hospital and had a ceremony for me, uh, a graduation ceremony, and then um. And the next day they had the full ceremony where they announced that they did my ceremony. Um, I. When my crash happened, it was a very, very small town, and we ha- there was four youth in it from four different families, and word spread pretty fast of what would happen. Um, Monday at school, I was told at school on Monday, you know, because there was three boys from the graduating class and uh, one from the year before, like, it impacted the whole school. Like it really impacted the whole school. And so they shut classes down for probably about a week and just allowed counselors to be on hand for anybody that needed the support. So 
it, it like everybody knew in not only my school but my community about the crash and they knew that i was a sole survivor <clears throat> and i was in the hospital and so mm-hmm. saying that <clears throat> i um it was about a year or so after the crash uh i actually went back to school i went back to even though I graduated, you know, I wanted to go back and get the courses that I, you know, they gave me marks on. <laughs> I went back and redid the courses, you know, redid the workload. Uh, and, I, and I think it was good that I did that. And I did that experience and, and went back and because it forced me to kind of go in and, and be amongst, you know, uh, some, some of my friends that I, that I knew from the school. Uh, yeah. Now I think about, um, the fact that, like you're saying, the reentry program is something that not all places have. And I think if this is something that you're interested in, I would encourage you to reach out to your social support person, whether that is, you know, a social worker or someone in your school or in your workplace, um, because I really do think that having that community support is really helpful. As you were saying, I know that your community support looked different, but knowing that that there was counselors and people to you know be there for your community and to just find a space to talk about it was also really helpful. So yeah, if it doesn't exist, it's worth it's worth it to have a conversation. Um, and if it does exist, I would highly recommend um, you to check it out. Yeah, I to- I completely agree. It's um, it's funny that we have so many resources that are at our hands now. Like we are available, we can just jump online there's so many resources available so if you do find yourself you know and you're struggling with anxiety depression whatever it is you know you're having a hard time getting through this trauma uh the conversations in your head maybe how other people are are seeing you because of the trauma you know reach out um to local resources like um the the national uh how did you label it this morning? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, national... um, it's the the suicide and crisis lifeline, which um, I'm aware that it's nine eight eight. And then we also talked about um, victim services. That's the two things yeah. we talked about. Yeah, and then yeah. and then also see your family doctor about getting some some professional help as well. That's another great resource um, as well, and. And on top of that, there's there's a lot of great different support groups for different types of traumas. Like the there, we're involved with the the bird survivors support groups across Canada and in the U.S. and around the world. Uh, and there's also there's there's the car crash survivors uh, support groups. There's you know whatever trauma you're dealing with or or struggling with. There's you know Google your a local uh, chapter of that type of support group uh, or even a, an online version. Maybe you feel more comfortable doing online, not be on camera, not be in person. You just want to be able to listen or talk online and that's, and that's okay as well. Yeah, I think, you know, which is one of my other um, things that I found to be really helpful is that community support. And along that line of support groups, you and I spoke about this last time that we didn't really have support groups available to us at the time, which is really crazy to think about now because we're very active in, you know, being part of different communities. But what I I will say is, as you're alluding to, John, whatever works for you, whether it is a support group, maybe it is a one-on-one counselor or therapist. I think what's so important is to find a place where you can unpack and talk about these things with because 
going through a recovery and just you know all of this healing is really much more difficult done alone and i think that you know being in the community provides you so many resources which is what we're talking about today um and just a reminder that there are people who you know are probably going through similar things that you are and knowing that there for me knowing that there have been other people who have gone through similar experiences because everyone's experience is different is um it's just really helpful to know that we're not alone and that's the biggest one too is, is knowing you're not alone um and we'll also put a, uh, some additional resources into the show notes as well so that you have um uh, some links to 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 check out as well so we'll put all this stuff in the in the show notes uh yeah it's uh really getting like like get this from us like from us like you are not alone there are people in your lives that are waiting to support you. And maybe it's that you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with and you're having a hard time, you know, asking for help. And you have this, you know, for me as a teenager, as an 18 year old teenage guy that was very independent, you know, strong, determined, I pushed everybody away. I said, I can do this on my own. And man, did I ever struggle? I want you to understand if you think you have to do this alone, let that go. Let that noise go. Let that conversation go. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to struggle. There are people waiting to support you. Please reach out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think too, you know, trying to reach out can feel really overwhelming. I think that there's a lot of pressure maybe for people like, oh, like I've never done this before. What do I do? And so I think about folks who maybe are in that struggle. And my last and fifth thing that I was going to say was um, another really great place to kind of get resources or to start with resources or to add on is stuff like this, podcasts and videos that talk about this kind of stuff. Maybe you're just, you know, trying to see what works for you and what fits. And this is what this space is all about. So I would say for me, podcasts, you know, videos such as this, conversations that are relevant to the things that I'm looking for have really helped me along my journey. And so that's what we're trying to do here is um, to make sure that we're offering you those resources as well. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because what comes to mind for me, because I had podcasts on my list as well, uh, audiobooks. I love listening to audiobooks and I've listened to a few really good books on trauma. Like one of them is called The Body Keeps the Score. You know, there's so many great resources where the there are audiobooks that and they they break down what's actually going on in your body and your brain, you know, the neurological system, the the neurons firing your brain when something happens, the triggers, the response you get, and like how that's like right there and like you're brought back to the trauma. And so, you know, look for some great um audiobooks or podcasts that, that that talk in this and yeah there's so much great information out there uh and we'll put some we'll put that information in the, in the show notes as well yeah hey hey i shared five i feel like we kind of had very similar responses in a way um but this is just the tip of the iceberg of different resources that exist so if this is a conversation that you've enjoyed um please let us know you'll we'll have our contact information so if it's you want more of this content more resources um you can let us know yeah exactly perfect um 
Okay, so we're we're gonna switch over to our question because we want to leave people on a on a fun note, you know, or a, a, a question that kind of changes the changes the experience a little bit, maybe. Uh, and our question was, I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> I don't. I want to. I want to shake off this hot looking good thing because I'm all about this looking good. I gotta look good. I gotta have it all together. This is a podcast. Let's have some fun with this. Let's have some fun and make a difference. This is something that John and I were actually talking about um, right before we started recording because we do talk about really heavy things and we recognize that it can feel overwhelming or daunting. And so our our point of asking a fun question at the end of it is exactly that. So it's you know for us to also have a little bit of fun while we talk about the ups and downs of life. So John, if you got it ready, yeah. So I'm ready for you. Who who is your uh, if you were to be a fictional character, could be cartoon, could be anything, who would you be? What would you be? What would the character you be? And I was saying earlier, I would be Ren from Ren and Stimpy from the 90s <laughs> cartoons. Because I'm just like, I'm just, I love to make, I just love to laugh and, and be silly and goofy. I was going to say, I feel like that response is very revealing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I could see that. I could totally see that. Um, I had a quick second to think about this too. So my first thought was, and I was, I told John, uh, for those of you who grew up with Nintendo, I, I grew up with a Nintendo. And so I was actually never quite a big fan of Princess Peach because in the original video games, you know, she was that traditional princess that needed saving. And I think my personality was like, I can save myself. Like, I don't need someone to come and save me. So um, as the video game kind of developed, they produced another princess called Princess Daisy. And she, you know, they portray her as much more of like a action go-getter type of princess like she's not the one needing saving she's coming to help save the princess peach and so just that dynamic of like fun you know also just um, doing different activities was very much me but then when i thought about it i would say in general all the like 90s disney princesses that very much were like I will be the hero of the story. I don't need to be saved. You know, I think about Aladdin and Little Mermaid. I identify with all of those princesses and Princess Daisy because I'm in for the fun. Um, and I want to be, you know, also the hero of my own story. So that's awesome i love that you the, the that you uh chose the princess the the princess themes that's that's so perfect it's so good <laughs> i still i still am a princess let's be honest I, I still, you know, <laughs> in my home i'm still the queen or the princess um but i like to do my own saving from time to time so you know here we are that's awesome okay well thank you guys for listening thanks for being here on this journey with us and we'll see you at next episode See ya. All right. Thank you for joining us today on More Than a Survivor podcast. Your support means everything to us. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, like, and leave a rating. Your feedback not only helps us reach more people, but it also makes our show even better. Got a question or a thought on today's topic? Drop us a comment. We read every single one. And if you think a friend would appreciate this episode, don't hesitate to share it. We'll see you next time. Thanks and goodbye.